0: How can a lost nurse turn her attitude and career around and become a boss nurse? Let's talk all about becoming a boss nurse with nurse author Kanika Raja right here on episode 293 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, we keep disseminating as much high quality evidence-based information as we can in our now monthly COVID-19 episodes. Meanwhile, we still want to entertain you and support you in your nursing career and personal professional development and discuss issues you care about or maybe things you haven't even thought about yet. I love having you along for the ride. Whether you're new to the show or you've been with me for months or years, thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you, your nursing career, healthcare in general and all sorts of things going on in the world around us and it includes education ideas diatribes and informative interviews like today's with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare nursing entrepreneurship education medicine and beyond and remember that nurse keith coaching is your one-stop shop for all things related to your career so email me at keith at mention the show and you get 10 percent off your first coaching package george the cat just jumped into my lap he wants to be here on the mic so make sure you go to the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 293 and george says to head to instagram and check his hashtag george the cat santa fe now we are here me and george with Kanika Raja, and Kanika is a critical care nurse and a hilarious and really, really great nurse author emerging into the space here. And Kanika, we're going to jump right in, okay? And then we'll get to your bio. What does it mean to be a boss nurse? What does that mean to you?
1: That is such a, such a great question to start things off with. So for me, the idea of boss nurse is something that has changed a lot since I first started nursing. Um, I think my first year, the thing that I really struggled with is the idea of being a good nurse meant a nurse who knew every detail, who didn't make mistakes, who wasn't caught off guard. And then later on, you realize like that's not a boss nurse at all. A boss nurse is someone who is constantly learning from their mistakes and refining them treat people, the way they approach their patients. So a boss nurse is essentially someone who is constantly disregarding the feelings associated with failing and just extracting the knowledge, which is the exact opposite of what I did initially.
0: Oh, I see so so a boss nurse is able to let's say maybe learn from her mistakes, look at what's going on around her, and realize maybe let's say that she or he is fallible, right? That, exactly. that there's things to learn
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that it's not that failure isn't an option. It's just that maybe could we say like failure is part of what we have to experience in a way?
1: Absolutely. It's a part, yeah. it's a part of the process. And I think another part of, you know, healthcare is such a, it can be such a stressful, scary um Thing. And, you know, hospitals, acute care settings can be such a stressful environment. And I think another aspect of it for me was like learning to enjoy it, learning to joke around with my patients. And I say a line in the book that care isn't about limbs and lab values all the time. Sometimes it's just helping someone get their favorite lunch or making them laugh before their surgery. You know, I mm-hmm. think taking out that stress out of the job sometimes is also a big part of it.
0: Right. Now, you're a bachelor's prepared nurse, right? And you've been a critical care nurse for six years. And three of those, you were a travel nurse.
1: Exactly. And
0: you've worked all over the country with lots of different types of patients. And your new book is called Lost Nurse to Boss Nurse, which encapsulates all you've learned in your journey as an ICU nurse. And the book is funny, and it's informative. It's a great story. Your personality is just so clear and you're such a lovely person and you're so brilliant. And, <laughs> you know, you're, you're adding something really important to the nursing conversation here. And George is like trying to like see you in the zoom here. Oh, George! Um, yeah. He's like, I really want to be a, I want to be a podcatter for sure. <laughs> podcatter. Um, he loves the microphone. So here's, here's the thing though. So when someone is a lost nurse, um, how do they identify how do they identify that they're a lost nurse first? Like what are the signs that you really you're off track, let's mm-hmm. say, whether you're like in your first year or maybe your tenth year?
1: Yeah, right? I think the greatest one of the best indicators is do you dread going into work? And I think that translates to no matter what job you're in. We definitely have our off days. We definitely have those days where are like, oh, man, I'm just not feeling it today. Maybe you had you know, a couple of drinks the night before and you're just a little groggy. But if you consistently are waking up every morning or before every shift and you're like, oh, my God, I really don't want to go to work, which is what happened to me early in my career. I thought maybe I'd made a mistake because it, it's not a good thing to dread going into work. No. So if you're consistently feeling that way, I think you have to kind of examine is it that I don't feel supported by, you know, my manager? Is it that my coworkers aren't creating a good environment? Or is this job truly something that doesn't fulfill me? And if that's the case, maybe I need to seek something else.
0: Right. So so one, you might think, "Oh my gosh, I made the wrong choice. Nursing's not for me." Right? Mm-hmm. Two, maybe it's just the wrong facility. Mm-hmm. maybe it's the wrong unit, maybe it's right. the wrong workplace culture. Maybe you're working in a place with an absolutely like horrific workplace culture where there's bullying and incivility and people don't treat each other well and you feel like you're just kind of like cannon fodder, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you recognize those things. So how do you then discover, in your opinion, in your experience, what's wrong? Like it could be many, many things, right? Sure. So for you and your experience, and maybe you can read us a passage from your book at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, what What was the sign for you that something had to change? Was there one thing, like one light bulb that went off or was it sure. multiple?
1: So I think the thing that happened for me and everyone's uh, experience is going to be unique. For me, my first year and a half, I was working at a level one trauma facility. Okay. Um, in the medical surgical ICU and just feeling very, very, very overwhelmed and not really knowing how to approach or solve the problem. Um, the thing that actually, the biggest thing that happened to me, which made me actually love my job was I had a friend who became a travel nurse. And when I graduated, I didn't know how exactly travel nursing worked. So after I was at my facility for a year and a half, I knew I needed a change, whether it be a new facility or a new kind of unit. And it wasn't that my first place wasn't supportive or you know, I was dealing with horrible coworkers. I just felt like I needed a change. Okay. And I started travel nursing. And that changed completely my perspective. And I think the reason was with a new city, with a new unit and knowing that I was gonna be at that place for three months, I really was very open with people and my coworkers. I feel like I just very much came out of my shell mm. because it was a comfort in knowing that if this place sucks or if I don't like it, I get to leave in three months. And it's crazy what that can do for your, just your personality. You're just much more willing to take chances and be much more open with people.
0: Well that's interesting because some people who try travel nursing they feel like the stress of only being mm-hmm. there for 13 weeks is too much for them right. and the novelty is actually overwhelming because it's mm-hmm. like oh my gosh it's new people it's a new unit it's a new system maybe it's a new EMR I've never touched before right, right? Yeah. Or, and a new city and I don't even know like where to go to the gym or where to get my pick up my prescriptions like people all of that could be very overwhelming for certain people But it sounds like for you, it opened something,
1: right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the reasons why it was such a good um, transition was I chose a city that was only two hours away from my hometown. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of friends who were already living in Charlotte at the time. So I had a little bit of a comfort system built in. It wasn't completely fresh and it wasn't a scenario where I couldn't get home if I feel like I needed to. I baby stepped my way into it. Oh that's
0: cool. And I've actually heard of travel nurses who even do travel gigs in their own town.
1: Uh you can? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's financially possible. it's not the most um it's not the best option financially. I do think when you travel further out there are more incentives because you get certain, you know, stipends for food and mm-hmm. and stay and all that, but that is an option and I think it's a cool one for somebody who is scared to travel nurse but wants to see maybe if it could be a good fit.
0: Right. And I've heard of travel nurses and uh, now this whole We're not doing an episode on travel nursing, but I've heard of some who like they get amazing stipends for housing.
1: Oh yeah, they
0: either buy an RV or they Mm -hmm. stay in campgrounds and they bank all of those those stipends. So
1: exactly,
0: Kanika, how long did you do travel nursing?
1: Uh, I did travel nursing for about three years.
0: Three years, okay. And what was your final takeaway? Like once you were done and you felt like okay, I'm ready to not move every three months. Mm What was your, what were you thinking at that time as you transitioned back to like having a job, job, like a regular place for yourself?
1: Right. So after the end of the three years, I, so one of the big things that I wanted to do was I wanted to go to the West coast because I grew up within, I had been for the first 25 years of my life, I'd lived within a 25 mile radius of my own home. So I thought it was time to kind of transition and just really kind of push my own boundaries. And then after having explored several cities all over the US, I realized the Southeast was just some place that just felt like home. I knew I wanted to end up back here. Um, And I felt like I had kind of done enough exploring of myself, of the different facilities. Um, I felt like I'd grown as a nurse in the ways that I wanted to by pushing myself. But ultimately, you get tired, like you said, of not laying down roots, of making friends and then saying Mm -hmm. bye, like, you know, see you whatever. Um, so ultimately you do get to a point, at least for me, where I felt like I want to make someplace home. And, and for now that is Charlotte, but honestly, Hawaii is someplace that I've always dreamed about. And I do think at some point I will take an assignment out there.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, some people want to follow the skiing. Some people want to follow the sun, Mm -hmm. right? And so in terms of the things you learned and the things you took away, and you said just a few minutes ago, you said growing as a nurse. So mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? Like, like, What are the ways in which, from your perspective, a nurse can grow? And you can speak from your own experience or more generalities, whatever works for you.
1: Sure. So for me, um, one of the examples is I was working at a small um, ICU in one of the cities that I worked in and their census dropped so they said, either we can cancel your contract or we can send you to our sister facility, but you'd have to work in the neuro ICU. And until then, I hadn't had experience in neuro patients. Predominantly, I'd worked with medical surgical patients. Um, and I said, I'm okay with it if you're okay with training me. And I don't know anything about it. So just make sure you're okay with that. So they gave me you know, a few days orientation. And I actually, neuro is my favorite kind of patient. Oh, really? Interesting. I never expected to like it. Most nurses, especially ICU nurses, if you ask them, that's generally the one that is liked the least because you don't see the change on the monitor as clearly. Sometimes you go in to do a neural assessment, patient is completely in a different state of mind. Um, But I actually really liked it and I would have never put myself in that position if I hadn't just had to. Mm. So I think you become way more adaptable and being exposed to something new over time becomes more exciting than scary.
0: That's great. So, so you embraced the change and they challenged. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't directly challenge you, they offered mm-hmm. you something and you knew it right. was going to be a challenge. And you were like, right. I'm cool with it. If you know that, like, I don't know yeah. anything about this,
1: right? Right. Yeah. And
0: you, and it's funny, you just said they gave me a few days orientation. That's, mm-hmm. and then you just winged it at that point or just leaned on your colleagues when you needed them.
1: And then, yeah. And so, luckily, I was on nights.
0: Okay. So there's a little, a little more
1: time for, um, I don't want to say for mistakes, but for learning opportunities, right. you know, there's a little more
0: so slightly slower pace sometimes. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And it was a very supportive unit. Uh, in fact, the nursing manager on that unit was so supportive that when we were short staffed on nights, he would come in and work as a nurse. Like that's how supportive that environment that's, was.
0: Wow. That's a pretty cool workplace culture. Right. You must have felt really good about that being someone new to neuro. And you were like, maybe not tentative, but you knew there was stuff you were going to come up against that you were going to need some support.
1: A hundred percent.
0: That's awesome. So, all right. So, in this process of deciding to write a book and having a story to tell, and having a great sense of humor. You say <laughs> in your bio, you say, um, laughing while reading this book may result in more defined abs. Kanika in no way bears any responsibility for your newly acquired six pack. So <laughs> I won't send you a bill for that because yes. it's, it's yep. a great thing to have and it supports the low back. So <laughs> my low back thanks you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. So do you have the book on hand there? I do, you? actually. Okay. I, do. I have the PDF version. So is there something you'd like to read to us, just anything that comes to mind, a passage that you love or that illustrates something you'd like to communicate to those who are listening right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you you kind of touched base on this okay. um, earlier in the interview, but it is a passage that I feel like really kind of encapsulates what I wanted the message of the book to be. Um, so it's, again, it's my definition of a boss nurse, but I think it breaks it down um, in a way that really will let people know what the book is about.
0: Great. Go for so it. If it's
1: okay with you, I'll read that. Go for it. So boss nurses are detail-oriented, but recognize which details are important. We sometimes make mistakes, but we learn from them and we move on. We understand that there's a difference between working hard and working smart, and our seesaw leans towards working smart. We recognize that sometimes we may have to fight our instincts to roll our eyes so hard that they are permanently get stuck backwards. We learn not to be scared to ask for help and also to shower help on others like Oprah at a Christmas giveaway. We also understand that care isn't about limbs and lab values. We care for people at their most vulnerable, and our compassion changes lives.
0: Mm. I love that passage, and I had the PDF version, so I couldn't underline it. But I loved mm-hmm. how you brought um, Oprah at a at a um, Christmas <laughs> giveaway, holiday giveaway. Right.
1: It's
0: like you get a car, and
1: you get a car. you get a car, you get a car. Right.
0: So that that says a lot about how you look at nursing and you said about how we can roll our eyes so much that they get stuck in the back of our head. Mm -hmm. And that's like Mm -hmm. that nurse eye roll of like, you know, do I have to explain Mm -hmm. this to this patient again? You know, there's Mm -hmm. so many ways in which that nurse eye roll, you know, we need that kind of sarcasm between us as colleagues sometimes like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. However, that can become sort of a chronic what would you call it? Like a crutch, maybe.
1: Yeah, sort of. I think if you constantly have that kind of jadedness, you know, after a while, um, yeah, that's the yeah, word. it can become kind of kind of exhausting.
0: Yeah, and it becomes part of like your your way of being as a nurse. Like mm-hmm. that jadedness just becomes like that hard shell of yours, right? Yeah, right. So thank you for reading that. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about some practical things that a nurse out there can do if she's feeling like she's a lost nurse and she wants to follow in your footsteps and become a boss nurse. Okay. Sounds great. All right. So we'll be right back with the second half of episode 293. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment to thank our generous sponsor, EHR Go. Listeners, does technology and healthcare education sometimes feel like the tail wagging the dog? You should check out EHR Go. Go uses case based learning to teach a human centered approach to technology and healthcare education. With over 300 multifaceted patient cases presented in a realistic, simulated electronic health record, Go helps students build clinical judgment skills while also learning to effectively document within an EHR. When working in Go, students must evaluate and organize competing healthcare needs into levels of urgency while making simple to complex clinical judgments about their patient care, just like in real life. Used in all educational healthcare disciplines, Go can be used within or between programs and is the ideal platform for interprofessional education web-based with no software to download or maintain, Go can be used on any computer or browser for in-person learning or for remote or hybrid lessons. Go is the only educational platform that puts human care at the heart of technology. Learn more about Go by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash GoKeith. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com forward slash GoKeith. And I thank EHR Go for their generous support. Speaking of support, please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much, they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. And when you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from me. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nursekeith. That's patreo ncom forward slash nursekeith. Also, please consider signing up for my monthly newsletter at nursekeith.com. I promise it's a quick read with just enough information to give you something to think about and some relevant content to explore as you wish. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me and there's no expiration date. So you can use that credit anytime you like, and you can refer as many people as possible and continue to earn coaching credits. I think that's an amazing deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of the episode. And remember that the show notes are going to be located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 293. We're here again with Kanika Raja, friend of the pod, my new friend. And prior to the break, Kanika, we were discussing your journey. You read a little bit from your book, and we talked about your sense of humor and the ways in which you can change how you look at your work take that jadedness and maybe chip away at it or maybe not allow yourself to get to that point in the first place. So somebody out there, I bet, is probably listening who maybe feels like they're a lost nurse. They they identify with part of the story you told about the overwhelm or feeling like, oh my gosh, this is really isn't for me. So What's one of the first things once you've identified that you're lost, like we talked about early in the episode? What's one of the first things you need to do when you want to take your first baby step to figure out, okay, I'm lost and I want to get unlost?
1: Right. So I think the trick is to sort of figure out what aspect of the job is making you unhappy or unfulfilled. I think one of the main things you can come back to is why you became a nurse. So for me, I remember very clearly after my first year, you know, kind of like drowning in all the details and trying to be like, why am I doing this? Why did I even choose this profession? And it's kind of strange because I hate hospitals. I'm terrified of them. I don't like them. Um, So my idea was the reason I wanted to be a nurse is I wanted to be that provider that made it less scary and less stressful for whoever was coming in. So kind of after that first year, I had a mental check-in of this is why you're choosing to do this and what is it that you need to change to kind of get back on track with that initial goal. Um, And I realized that I wasn't being honest with my manager. I wasn't being honest about how lost I was feeling. So when I had that discussion with her, she said, which pieces of, is it that you're struggling with certain pieces of equipment? Are you struggling with time management? What's the aspect that you feel like you're struggling with? And, you know, we came up with a couple of plans. She put me with uh, a day chef preceptor again for a couple of shifts. She said, if you see someone who's really, really good at time management, maybe that'll take some of the stress away for you. Um, So yeah, we just identified a couple of little things that we could do. But I think the biggest thing was finally acknowledging, like, I need help. And it was very embarrassing for me to acknowledge that. And looking back on it, I wish it hadn't been.
0: You wish it hadn't been embarrassing.
1: Yeah, I wish I hadn't been embarrassed to just acknowledge like I'm struggling and I need to ask someone to help me figure out why cuz I'm not exactly sure why I'm struggling.
0: So, well, first of all, you you had the wherewithal and you you swallowed your pride, right? You ate some mm-hmm. humble pie and you said, "Hey manager, I really need some help." And you were really really blessed. I don't want to even say lucky. You were blessed to have mm-hmm. a manager who was like, "Okay, Let's take some proactive steps to see what can help you succeed. That's an amazing manager, first of all. Right. She could have said, well, suck it up and just figure it out, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So she
0: didn't do that.
1: You didn't do that. And
0: did you end up first, you know, once you had the conversation with her and she had you, you know, follow certain people to see what they did, were all those people supportive too? Did you have good experiences being precepted, given a little extra something?
1: Mm-hmm. So, most of the experiences that I had, uh, you know, kind of after we were kind of doing this reboot process, Great. I guess you could call it. Um, Kanika
0: 2.0. Yeah.
1: Kanika 2.0, yeah. yeah. Um, mostly it was just figuring out how, how other people are doing things. And especially day shift tends to be more chaotic. So, sure. they have more tasks that they have to get done. Yeah. And me being a night shift nurse, it was just good to see the process of how other people were managing. And that kind of helped me when I went back to night shift, I was like, if they can squeeze in or, or kind of form a better plan of how they're going to do all these tasks, Mm -hmm. then I can kind of take their organizational strategies and apply them to to night shift.
0: Great. Okay. So you, you acknowledge the problem, you got some help. You actually had people willing to help you, which is Mm -hmm. really amazing. And not everybody gets that, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the wrong workplace then. You just had some stuff you needed to figure out, which is good.
1: Um, I don't think it was the wrong workplace at all. But you know how sometimes you associate certain feelings with a certain place? Mm -hmm. So in that environment, even though it was supportive, it was a good environment, it just became a scenario of after a year, a year and a half, even though I felt like I was a a stronger, smarter nurse, I still associated those feelings of not being confident and not knowing what I'm doing. It was very uh, environment driven. So I knew that to really kind of fully get over it, I was going to have to change my environment.
0: That's when you went traveling.
1: That's when I went traveling. And
0: a year of like acute care is generally what you need in order to make that leap. And you did it. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. A year is minimum. Um, like the bare bones minimum. Mm-hmm. I think a year and a half to two years is kind of ideal. Um, because you have such little training time when you travel, but a year you can get away with a year. Most agencies will let you get by with a year.
0: Yeah. So for that nurse who wants to do what you did and acknowledge the problem, asked for help, got some help, figured out like, okay, here's some things I can learn. Here's some people I can learn from. So she or he, you know, gets over the, you said embarrassment, and I want to throw in the word shame. Like Mm -hmm. shame can come up like, oh my gosh, I should know all this. And it's, it's so shameful that I can't figure it out by myself. And, you know, maybe, maybe they got messages growing up from their parents that you have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and figure it out. And asking for help is weak or whatever. So Mm -hmm. you have to get over all sorts of stuff, right? True. So Once you've done that, let's say you realize that maybe it is the facility, maybe it is the unit, maybe your manager's like not the manager that Kanika was so happy and blessed to have. Does, Does sometimes, do you think just a change of location or change of type of facility or workplace culture will be enough for certain people? Maybe?
1: For some people, I think so. So I I talk about in the book too, that I think it's very important that periodically you check in mm-hmm. to, to, am I happy? Or if I'm not, is there anything that feasibly I can adjust to make myself in a position where I enjoy my job more? But sometimes you straight up just need to change mm-hmm. your facility. Maybe your coworkers aren't supportive, maybe, you know, administration, they always say, I hear you, I hear you, but nothing ever changes. Um, and sometimes it may just be the kind of nursing. Maybe you start off like one of my best friends started off um, as a medical surgical ICU nurse um, within a year said, nope, this isn't for me. And she became a NICU nurse mm-hmm. and so much happier. And it wasn't that the medical surgical side, there was anything negative about it or she had any majorly negative issues but she just realized like this isn't quite jiving with what I want to do and as soon as she made the switch she loved it and she never anticipated liking NICU hmm. in a million years she's like I never thought that I would see myself there but you never know
0: And she was probably really happy she figured it out right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. you know I've told the story many times and I'll make it brief here but when I graduated in 96 I didn't like hospitals like you. And I'd done well in clinicals, but I really, really did not want to go into acute care. And I made the choice to not even go into acute care. And I never did it for 20, gosh, 21 years of clinical practice. I never worked in acute care. And there's certainly things I gave up and there's liabilities that I developed without having that experience, but I made a really, really clear choice. A lot of nurses come to me who've worked in acute care since they first graduated, sometimes like eight, nine, ten years, maybe more, and they aren't even aware that they can work outside of acute care. Yeah. And there's a lot of judgment out there in certain corners of the nursing profession, let's say, mm-hmm. where if you don't work in a hospital, you're not considered a real nurse. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: there's shame in that too. People can feel ashamed like, oh, I don't do all that really high tech stuff. And maybe I'm really not a real nurse because I work in a school. So what would you say to a nurse out there who realizes, you know what, I really want to work in a clinic or I really want to do school nursing." Or I want to be a camp nurse in the summer, and I want to be a school nurse during the year. Or I want to do mm-hmm. research. Like maybe I don't want to be a clinician at all. So what would you say to someone who makes that sort of decision or realizes something like that about themselves when they're lost and they they want to move on to being a boss?
1: Right. <laughs> so it's it's interesting that you know you bring that point up because yeah. I kind of conclude the book with this idea that we have talked about the challenging aspects of the job. And I say that this book was a video game hack. (laughs) Essentially, I told you where the crocodiles are. I told you where the gold coins are. So now go out and win the game, essentially. But also the idea of being a boss nurse is... That you have so much flexibility within this profession, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much. Mm. You can be a a summer camp nurse, which I've had the opportunity to do. Really? Oh, cool. I have, yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying there are no, there is no one category. You can be two or three different kinds of nurses at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a summer camp nurse. You know, the flexibility of my job allowed me to write a book. So there is no right or wrong way to be a nurse, which is, I think, like the cool thing about this profession, because some professions you don't have that luxury.
0: That's true. And like I, four years ago, almost to this day, I quit my, my last job as the DON of a home health agency, the CNO DON. Mm -hmm. And I haven't worked clinically for four years now. And I still, think of myself as a nurse. I still renew my license. I do CEUs and I write and read and podcast, do all that stuff. So I feel like I contribute to the profession and patient care in my own way. And during COVID, myself and a lot of other people I've spoken with who aren't on the front lines like you are, we have a little bit of imposter syndrome and we have a little bit of um. I guess you might call it survivor's guilt. Like we're not there, we're not there. And, but the point I make to myself when I feel it and I make to other people when they bring that to me is like, we can't all be there. We can't all be on the front lines. Like all the research and the clinic nursing and the school nursing and the, the, the administrative work still has to happen, right? We can't all be in the ICU and ER. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, thankfully, there's people like you who want to be there, right? right? And in the midst of COVID, you know, how has that affected you? If, if we just touch on the pandemic for a minute, you sure. know, where has that landed in your psyche, being mm-hmm. a critical care nurse?
1: Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that you say that, you know, you have... A certain level of survivor's guilt or other people who may not be at the bedside may be feeling those. Mm-hmm. Even though I work in an ICU, some part of me, you know, seeing nurses who were dealing with situations in New York and California, some level of me was like, oh, I'm not even taking on as big a risk, you know, as they are. Um, our yeah. unit, I'd say was kind of maybe middle of the road or maybe even a little bit under in terms of how severe COVID got. Um, but it's, it's also, there's a duality to it because I feel like if I had to work from home every day, I feel like that would be more of a struggle for me. Like I felt lucky that I still got to somewhat keep a normal life or my normal life Mm -hmm. and got to go out and, you know, interact with people through my job. But Any of the appreciation that comes my way of, you know, thank you so much for doing this. It's so appreciated in nurses, like we can't, or healthcare workers in general, we, it means a lot to us when people say things like that, but I never, it's strange. I never think of it as something that I should be thanked for because I'm like, oh, I'm just doing my job. Like you do, Mm -hmm. like you, you know, you work in an accounting firm and Mm -hmm. you're a lawyer. Like you are also a part of making society function. I'm just playing my role, it's its kind of strange, that duality.
0: Yeah, it is strange. And at the same time, you know, healthcare workers, especially in acute care, but clinics and ERs too, they're at the center of it. Or even like, I'm going to get a spinal injection in a few weeks. And mm-hmm. it's like, those people are in the middle of it too, right? Because I'm, I'm coming in there as an unknown quantity and they're going to treat me and bring me into the the surgical suite day surgery and they're taking risks too. And the person checking me out at Trader Joe's is taking a risk, right? They're facing hundreds and hundreds of strangers a day. So, mm-hmm. and sure, there's that piece of plexiglass between us and we're both wearing masks, mm-hmm. but they're frontline workers too. Everybody, mm-hmm. God, everybody's True. a frontline worker or just a frontline person. So right. So, in, in your world, you know, we talked about the first year of nursing. We talked about being a boss nurse. So being a boss nurse, and that term has been used a lot over these last few years, like being a boss and sure. leaning in and all those terms. And mm-hmm. it's important, I think, to to embrace that kind of inner authority. So when you really achieve that sense of like, you're the boss of, let's say, your own, your own little corporation. Like you're the CEO of your, like Kanika Raja, like you're the CEO of you, right? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything you do in your personal and professional life. So moving on from here, once you realize it, you take on that moniker and you kind of, you can embody being a boss nurse, right? What can you do from there? How can you take it to say another level of I don't know, self-awareness or personal growth or professional growth? Like what's next?
1: Mm -hmm. So I think um, for me, it is, you know, how do I take this new... So the the reason I really love the word boss in general, because it doesn't necessarily... Just it's not just tied to this notion of being at the top or being a leader. There's a certain swag associated with it, which I think we all need a dash of that. You know, that that bit of not cockiness, but this carrying yourself with this little bit of swag. I think it just makes things more fun in the way you approach them. And for me, when, you know, I started feeling that bossness, I guess, for a lack of a better word, it depends on what your passion lies in. For me, the passion lies in Trying to make maybe somebody who is in my position not feel that way as much, or maybe get to a position where they feel that confidence faster. So that's Mm. where the book comes in. So it it kind of feeds into whatever you're passionate about. For you, you know, it's a different kind of passion that you want to spread awareness on, you know, a variety of nursing things and kind of form this like awesome community and network. So whatever kind of like fuels your fire, I think, when you have the confidence to pursue that even if it's something that hasn't been done like that's where that bossness can take you
0: oh i see so you can take that sense of confidence and and self self self-awareness and let's say poise like professional and personal poise and or personal power like you're feeling empowered right as a nurse as a woman as a man whatever it happens to be and you can say oh okay now that I have this level of confidence, I can write a book or mm-hmm. I can start my own clinic or or maybe quit nursing and, you know, travel around the world, right? Because that could be right. a boss move too, like right. saying, I'm ready to go to Bali and like be a digital nomad and hang out for yeah. a year and like embrace some other part of myself, right?
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't mean that nursing has to be your be all and end all. It's just- Not at all. It's sort of like a platform, Right.
1: Exactly. So
0: your next book is gonna be like (laughs) like Kanika Raja's eat pray love journey of like what comes after being a boss and going maybe taking it to the next step. Maybe
1: so. Yeah. Maybe so. So
0: I wanna ask you a question. So you're now an author, published author, and I wanna first remind the audience that the book is called Lost Nurse to Boss Nurse. It's on Amazon and 10% of the net proceeds are split between Feeding America and Direct Relief. So thank you for doing that. Really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. That. Yeah. It's uh, That's something that was always kind of in my heart when I wrote this book. Mm-hmm. And I kind of talk about this in the, the prologue of the book that I wanted this to be a little bit bigger than just nursing. Not to say that nursing isn't huge or yeah. a wonderful thing to kind of take on, right. but if the reach could be just a little bit further, you know, that's, kind of the dream.
0: That's lovely. That's great. Now, now that you are an author and your podcast guest, amazing interviewee and, you know, and I know you're working, you're a clinician, right? You work a lot. Yes. Do you see yourself just saying, do you see yourself like up on stage doing a motivational keynote address to a bunch of say, first year nurses, maybe? 100%.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah. So it's funny that question because when I started writing the book, I went through kind of a um kind of a support group basically who kind of guides you through the process. And one of the first questions they asked was, Do you have imposter syndrome? Do you feel is there some part of you that feels like who am I to write a book or who am I to think that my knowledge is worthy enough to share? And I was like, no guys, sorry. I feel like maybe I'm supposed to say that, but I really don't. Good. Um, Good. I think ever since I was a little kid, there is luckily I don't have a lot of fear in kind of putting myself out there, especially if I feel like that could help someone else, if it could, you know, be a kickstart to someone else's journey. So I would at some point absolutely like to be more in the public speaking realm. I would cherish that opportunity.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to try to make that happen. And um, I'm just saying, maybe I'm just brainstorming here in public, like on air, but maybe you and I can do some Instagram lives together or Facebook lives. And maybe one day we could put together some kind of webinar or something or with other people, like put something together. So you have a message that's really important. And I know you have more than one book in you (laughs) and you, you have such talk about you know, poise and, and, um, personality and presence, you have something really important you're bringing to the, to the space. And I really want to honor you for that and appreciate so much that you reached out to me and that we're friends and colleagues now, and that, that you are out there with a really, really important message for nurses to hear, especially those who are, kind of newish and they need somebody to show them like yeah I was there and now I'm here and you can get here too. So I just want to honor you for for the work you're doing and and the mission that you've obviously taken on.
1: Well, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity, you know, to spread that message and you know, when we briefly kind of did, you know, sort of a pre-interview, I mentioned yeah. this and I meant this completely that you have this presence that I feel like probably brings out the best in people. So I feel like a large part of maybe why I'm coming across this way is because of the way you're kind of approaching the questions and making me feel so comfortable.
0: Oh, thanks. Well, I have a feeling you'd be amazing no matter who interviewed you, but (laughs) thank you. Let's just
1: agree that we're both amazing, Keith. What's that? I said, let's just agree that we're both amazing.
0: Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Mutual admiration society. we we you know stamp of approval that's right we both get gold stars right well thank you kanika you're amazing and when your next book comes out we'll have you back but we might even have you back before then cuz sure. you're you're awesome and i i think there's a lot more to talk about
1: absolutely thank you so much keith and i look forward to many more conversations with you
0: Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nurse Keith Show with the amazing Kanika Raja. Remember, the show notes will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 293. Head over there to click on the Amazon link for Lost Nurse to Boss Nurse. 10% of the proceeds will go to Direct Relief and Feeding America. So you're really helping yourself and helping others while you purchase the book. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode and inspired to take action in the interest of your personal life, your professional satisfaction, whatever it is in your life that you would like to change or elevate, now's the time. And if you need holistic, personalized career coaching, remember to email me at at keithatnursekeith.com. Mention the show and you get 10% off your first coaching package. The Nurse Keith Show is a member of Ars Longa Media, a collaborative network of podcasts and media entities whose aim is to add a humanistic touch to professional education, educate the public from a scientifically informed perspective, and improve lives by partnering to address social ills. Check out arslonga.media at arslong.media. That's Ars Longa. The Nurse Keith Show is also a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, one of the largest and fastest growing collections of authoritative, high-quality podcasts taking on the tough topics in health and care with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. HealthPodcastNetwork.com, you'll find the Nurse Keith Show, Penn Nursing, the Mayo Clinic, New England Journal of Medicine, Sanjay Gupta, and many, many other awesome podcasts. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520 r Podcasting and Mark Cappy Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and new friend of the pod, Kanika Raja, bidding you adieu from
1: Charlotte, North Carolina.
0: Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you, Kanika. You're amazing. And we will catch everybody on the flip side.